everybody, and welcome to the Screen Share Podcast. My name's Keaton Weiss with Justin Van Voris. How you doing? So, uh, we have written our first, or I should say you, Justin, have written the first incendiary article for ScreenShareMedia.com. You wrote a review of the Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 11 premiere. And, uh, you know, we are a brand new project. Um, and so, you know, it, it usually takes a while for little indie blog sites to start generating, you know, significant traffic. I just posted that article that you wrote, that review, in one Curb group uh, yesterday. And yesterday it got 503 reads. Uh, and today it's already up to about 50 reads, which is a lot for a tiny website that just started like a week and a half ago, uh, mm-hmm. that just posted a link in a group and, uh, got some negative reactions there. Some positive, but some negative. You pissed a lot of people off by panning the curb, uh, premiere. Oh, I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't see the positive. I only saw the negative. Well, I mean, they got, you got, got a decent amount of likes, and, you know, people must have oh, liked good. it if they read it 550 times. They must have shared it with people, I guess. Well, you know, whatever, you know. People love it. People, like I say, you know, people, when they are separated from the, the person, they, they like to say whatever they want, you know? They don't care. If, they, if we were in person, I don't know if they would be as vitrolent as... Have you uh, received any death threats? No, but that's what I was saying to you yesterday. I think probably I might have... We may have to take off uh, the names of all the all the articles who wrote uh, <laughs> each article uh, because it, or i should just write it under assumed name because i can you know i can easily be found on facebook well you know we've so far since starting this project we are sort of i guess ostensibly movie and tv fans but we've pretty much negatively reviewed just about everything we've talked about so far yeah i was thinking about that my venom review was bad the Sopranos uh, movie yeah. review was bad. Malignant, the James Wan movie was bad. The one thing I gave a somewhat positive write-up to was uh, Nine Perfect Strangers. And even that wasn't like a review. It was more just like a, a take on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and even that's not a great show. But I thought that was a pretty good show. But anyway, let's talk about Curb. Because you and I really, we actually kind of met talking about Curb. I remember sit- you sitting at the lunch table in high school. And I just noticed you scribbling down like a little script. And the characters mm. were like Jeff, Cheryl, Susie. I'm like, is he writing like a spec curb episode? So then I asked you, what are you <laughs> writing? And you covered your hands, you covered up the paper, you know, you were shy about it. But then I pressed. I didn't cover up the paper. You, were, didn't, you didn't want to admit that you were writing it. You know, writers tech- tend to be shy about what they're writing. You know, they don't like to share it with stuff with people until it's done. You definitely resisted. You were like, uh, no, nothing, nothing, nothing. It's nothing. And I said, no, 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 what is it? Because I recognized it. I knew it was a Curb uh, script. And so, um, you know, that that's how, you know, one of, the, one of the reasons I knew we would be friends. Yeah, I know. I think I wanted to do, I wanted to do like a teenage Curb Your Enthusiasm back in those days. I just had no friends to make it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just kind of putting out into the universe that by doing it, I might meet friends who will help me make it. And kind of I, halfway we did because we became friends. We didn't make a Curb Your Enthusiasm. But I wanted to be like, I want to be like teenage Larry David. Yeah. Which, uh, which it plays into a little bit of uh, what we're going to talk about on today's uh, episode. Yeah, so go ahead. I watched the episode last night, um, but you watched it uh, sooner. So go ahead. Tell, tell us what you think. I mean, I think that, you know, as far as uh, I think, you know, Curb 
like I said in my piece, really hasn't been really, you know, um, that great in a very, very long time. It's still amusing. It's still funny. It's still kind of humor that isn't really around anymore. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's good coming home to Larry, you know, seeing that character and the different characters on the show and stuff like that and being a part of that kind of world. But, you know, if I'm honest with myself, which, you know, might get me in trouble on the interwebs, it, the show itself just hasn't been that great in actually a very, very long time. Like, I think, uh, I think you say, you think the third season was the best. I think maybe the, I think, I think the fourth season was really, really good. But after that, there's been a really steep drop off in quality. And this episode, as far as season openers go, you know, it didn't really, uh, it wasn't, uh, wasn't the funniest. Uh, yeah, I, I think anyways, uh, it was uh, a tad weaker. The arc that they're setting up so far hasn't really grabbed me as being uh, really funny. Uh, the last season, and like I said, all the seasons of, of late haven't been that funny but the last season opener i thought was really great where he finds that he can use this uh make america great hat to his advantage yeah that was which a i thought one. which i thought was really good but even the rest of that season was you know kind of met but this uh was not as good as that season and uh and yeah no i think uh you know it's but it's like am i not gonna stop watching it no because it's larry and you know there's there's gonna be there's bound to be funny stuff but as far as season openers go this was one of the more weaker ones. Yeah, I thought it was fairly weak uh, as well. And uh, just talking about the overall like trajectory of the the show, um, I I do agree. Like looking back on season four, it is stronger. It holds up better over time than than uh, it did when it first came out. Um, I think seasons two and three are just absolutely fantastic. Um, season two, the doll episode in season two is not only, in my opinion, the best episode of Curb ever, but that's like top 10 episodes of television uh, mm -hmm. of all time. I mean, that episode just has it all. It has the Larry and Jeff mischief. It has the Susie freakout scene where she rips him a new asshole. It has just the interplay. It has all these like intersecting storylines, as many Curb and Seinfeld episodes uh, do, um, but they really just come together so flawlessly in that episode. And just the back and forth of, okay, we have to go to uh, Susie's house to steal the doll from Sammy's room. Then we have to go and bring it back <laughs> to the uh, house with the whose doll we, we ruined. Then we have to uh, go and ask that late, and then we have to go bring the doll head uh, back to Susie because she finds that the doll has been decapitated, and so they have to go back and forth and back and forth, dropping off and picking up these doll heads. It's yeah. just so perfect, and then the banter in the car in between trips is so great. It's like one of the best Larry and Jeff Caper episodes, um, and so that's just an unbelievably good episode. Season 3 just to me that's the best just because episode for episode that has so many great ones first of all i think the strongest season premiere ever is in season three chet's shirt that's a fantastic episode um and then of course the uh crazy eyes killer uh episode is just that's one of the top 10 curb episodes of all time yeah. easily um and you know the thing about the show is you're right it the the, the quality has dropped off in in recent years or really in not not so recent years starting with season five 
The exception would be season seven. I thought the Seinfeld reunion arc was really, really strong, and that was really, really cool to to see. And I I love that season. Um, but other than that, I think yeah, they they have trended weaker, and it follows a similar trajectory that Seinfeld followed. Now, the miracle about Seinfeld is Seinfeld never got weaker. Like Seinfeld, yeah. the miracle of that series was that every single episode was great. There was not a weak season. There was not even a weak episode. My least favorite episode of Seinfeld is The Keys, which is a season three finale, just because I thought it had a bit of a sour tone to it with Kramer and Jerry sort of ending their friendship. It just didn't jibe with the vibe of the show. Um, but even that's a pretty good TV episode. Like, it's yeah. not bad. There's plenty of good stuff in it. It's not a bad episode by any means. Um, but... Curb and Seinfeld, as they as the shows went on, the appeal tended to broaden. Like the early seasons of Seinfeld, it was very much like New York Jewish humor, right? And -hmm. then as the show went on, the plots get started getting more like sensationalistic, and the show's appeal sort of broadened out. The same thing has happened with Curb, and that's why a lot of like these new Curb fans who have been like loving the show recently probably responded negatively to your review because like they're like the new Seinfeld fans, like the yeah. OG New York Jew Seinfeld fans are different from now the you know tens of millions of Seinfeld fans um, who who are out there, and I feel like the same thing is true with with Curb. It's definitely gotten sillier less realistic, more cartoonish, which I guess casts a wider net in terms of its audience. I mean, this started out a tiny little documentary-style special that morphed into a first season that then, you know, picked up steam, and now it's this huge hit, uh, what, 20 years later? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, it's just more forced, too. A lot of the humor seems forced. It's less organic. I mean, you mentioned a doll. I mean, yeah, that's a good example of, like, a classic thing that Curb would do with the comedy where it's like yeah that's kind of an outlandish present uh, premise but you could actually see the doll actually happening in real life that that kind of that kind of conflict a couple of years ago they had a whole arc that larry gets a fatwa put on him it's like that that that's that's less realistic and that's where the humor came from and as i mentioned in the article it's more like in the first few seasons Larry was you kind of reacting to like the weird bullshit that was going on and, and stuff that, you know, the audience can be like, Oh yeah, I've dealt with that before. And, and almost you get to react to it through Larry, but now it's Larry has become just really this, the annoying person that you yourself would react to, uh, instead of being the one that did all the reacting in past. Um, right, he kind of morphed it, from like victim to perpetrator yeah, over the years. Right. Like the doll episode's a perfect example. Like, okay, if someone's in the bathroom downstairs and you really have to go, you might sneak into the upstairs bathroom. And then when you're up there, if there's a little girl who's like asking you to cut the doll's hair, you might do it because whatever, yeah. you don't want to upset her. And that, you know, catapults you into this whole situation. And the antagonists in those first few seasons were always these very like rigid, uptight, unfunny shrill humorless people and so you Mm -hmm. liked larry more than you liked them whereas in like the new seasons now he's like like watching a guy who's worth half a billion dollars like berate his secretary for taking a couple days off uh Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it was i think last season or the season prior it's like that's not funny yeah that's the thing he's become like part of the zeitgeist now where like everybody kind of knows that he's (laughs) He's worth half a billion dollars. Right. And so it's hard to relate to him more. 
Um, and yeah, and also just the visually, the, the show has just become more cinematic. The first few seasons were almost shot like a documentary, very grainy, handheld. It wasn't even lit particularly well. But now it is it's it's shot like a normal show. You know, even the improv doesn't seem that improv anymore. For anybody who knows Curb, it's a, it's a, there's an outline, there's no script, but it seems more scripted uh, than it once was. And um, I, it, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, like I said, it's comfort food. You know, you like being around Larry and, and, and Leon and stuff like that. And, um, you know, even the, you know, a bad Curb episode is probably better than anything else on television. Yeah, no, it's still definitely worth watching. Like, I would never give up on the show, you know. No. It's still totally worth watching. I think a major turning point in the series, and then we'll talk a little bit more about the specifics of this episode here, but I think a major turning point in the series was when Cheryl left Larry, which, of yeah. course, mirrors Larry's real-life divorce from from his wife. Um, but that happened, I think, at the end of Season 6, right, is when Cheryl and Larry break up. Yes. I'm pretty sure that's it. Now, season six was, I think, one of the weakest seasons. Probably six and eight are the two weakest ones, I would think, just going off the top of my head. But when she left Larry, the thing that it did to the show, it did to the character, is it, it really lowered the stakes of the show because Cheryl made Larry morally responsible to someone, right? I mean, uh -huh. he was accountable to her. And so that raised stakes, like when the Jesus, Joseph, and Mary uh, episode, like when he blows it by making some crude sexual joke to the guy, <laughs> the guy playing Joseph, like, and they quit, you know Cheryl's going to fucking ream him for that, and her in-laws are going to ream him for that. So there's, there's stakes there, right? Because he actually has to answer to someone. And Cheryl Hines is just so perfect in that role because we totally buy her um, as this, you know, like, shiksa wife, but she also has a sense of humor herself, and as much as she jabs Larry a lot, we really buy that they really love each other. Like, it gives the show almost like a warm center also. She added so much to the show. And then when she left, all of a sudden he's not accountable to anyone. He's just like this rich rampaging through LA making enemies with like parking valets and secretaries and and store clerks and stuff like that so it just it just made the show much less interesting from that standpoint now the interesting is thing is we didn't really feel Cheryl's absence right away because season seven with the Seinfeld reunion arc was so strong that we didn't really miss Cheryl yet but I think Starting with season eight, where the, a lot of that season is filmed in New York and we get into Larry's dating life and stuff like that just didn't really work. It's yeah. not nearly as funny. First of all, we saw a lot of Larry David's dating humor come out in Seinfeld. We didn't need to see any more of that. Um, but also, like, it, it's just and know, also he's also just this guy on the loose. It's there's yeah. no stakes. We also had seen that prior because in the fourth season, when she gives him like a free pass. There was like a lot of like, Larry oh, you mean trying... to go and sleep with another woman? Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of like Larry trying to date humor in that ep in that season. Um, and then, of course, he actually gets a date, but uh, in the later seasons. But that that um, her character kind of changed because she in the first few seasons did sound kind of like a realistic wife reacting to her husband and then she kind of like that character started to become a little outlandish i felt in the uh 
in the years that followed as well. But, you know. Yeah, like the episode where he needs AAA and he finds out that she canceled AAA because, uh, you know, they were in bed with some, like, fossil fuel polluters or something like that. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just those situations that would come up um, were, were so great and, and, and realistic in the first season. You know, we, yeah, exactly. we, we really bought that they were a real couple living in real life. You know, they were rich, they're famous people, but still, like... That that exploration of the minutia of daily life was still there, whereas like yeah. now you have episodes like the car periscope, you yeah, know, where you navigate traffic <laughs> with this device in your car. Like it just get it. It's a little too broad for for my taste now. Um, now season eleven uh premiered uh last Sunday, and um there are a couple different arcs that it sets up. Number one, a burglar breaks into Larry's house and drowns in his pool after slipping and falling. Um, and then Larry it may be held liable for that since regulations uh, dictate that he's supposed to have a fence around the pool uh, to stop things like that from happening. The other a weird um, element to this episode, and I don't know if this is setting up any kind of arc or any kind of like uh, permanent guest role for Albert Brooks, but Albert Brooks uh, is hosting a funeral for himself, even though he is still alive. And his plan is to sit up in the bedroom and watch people eulogize him, um, which is a kind of a funny concept. Again, not very realistic, kind of a cartoonish concept. Um, but the thing is, I love Albert Brooks. Like Albert yeah. Brooks is one of my favorite writers. They call him like the West Coast Woody Allen, very dry, witty, sarcastic humor. He's a fantastic writer and a, a very good actor too. Um, you know, uh, now nowadays he's known for, almost for more serious roles, like uh, he played the great villain Bernie Rose in the movie uh, Drive. Um, but you know, he made movies like uh, Lost in America is great, Defending Your Life, Mother, The Muse. Those are all great, charming, really funny movies. And he's such a funny presence. And I felt like exactly the way you did, uh, which is that. He really had nothing in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, you would not know this is one of the funniest writers and actors out there from watching this. He just kind of slept, walked through the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, he didn't really seem happy to be there. <laughs> right. yeah. He seemed, like, and, just miserable. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so the, the, the backstory is, of course, that part of the reason I guess why he's on the show is that his brother was part of the show for a very long time. His brother is Bob Einstein, who played Marty Funkhauser, who... Uh, I guess they haven't, I guess what I haven't really announced what they're doing with that character, because I think he's actually still alive technically in the, in the show, but the actor who played him died a couple of years back. And so I guess that's partly why Albert Brooks is on the show. Um, but yeah, he seemed just totally uninterested and not funny. And like I said, you know, he's such a great writer. The show is improvised. Maybe he's not as comfortable with the improvisations. The only time I laughed at anything is that when they discover all this stuff that he's been hoarding, like Purell, he yells out, my house used to be a CVS. That was the only, oh, yeah. that was the only time that I, I laughed at. And, but other than that, he just seems bored. Maybe he's just older, man. That, 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 that tends to happen, but he just seemed like out of touch with it. Um, the, the thing about the burglary is I hope that it comes back, but I, I, I felt that it was, I mean, I sure it will come back, but with that whole plot, this seemed to be that it was, uh, kind of skipping over like a, they missed a, um, what's the word? Uh, uh, they, they had a good uh, idea there. Um, missed opportunity is what I'm saying is that 
uh, Larry is now liable for the death of this person who was breaking into his house, which um, why why isn't that argument? Why why isn't he claiming like the guy was working into my house and I have to now he's dead and I have to you know that seemed like the natural thing. Maybe we'll get into that, but that seemed to be weirdly skipped over in this premiere episode. Um, they didn't even I don't even think there was a line that said this guy broke into my house and then he drowned in my pool. You just kind of um, gay. You just kind of just kind of just feel that on your own uh, that the guy was breaking into his house but they don't really get get into that. He doesn't even say when he has that argument with the guy in the Mexican restaurant, who was, I think, his brother. He doesn't say, you know, he was trying to rob my house, um, which I thought was very strange that they kind of skipped over. That might come up in later episodes, but that seemed like a missed opportunity to me. Well, that's the whole thing. Like, he gets shaken down by the brother of the dead burglar who owns this Mexican restaurant in Los Angeles, you know, who leaves a copy of the city code on his doorstep or, you know, whatever it was, saying, you know, let's talk. And the guy shakes him down into casting his untalented daughter to be in Larry David's new pilot with Netflix about young Larry. And, uh, yeah, first of all, I mean, the, the thing about that plot is that, you know, this guy is sort of, like, blackmailing him into casting his daughter in a movie, which the, I don't know if... How I don't know what reflection that is of like the criminal mind. Like this guy's worth half a billion dollars. Why not just shake him down <laughs> for a couple million bucks <laughs> instead of <laughs> put my daughter in this pilot script? I mean that just. Uh, but whatever. I mean you could you could make allowances. It is yeah. kind of an absurdist comedy yeah. show. So okay, fine, whatever. Uh, but also you know I mean if he's shaking Larry down, um, you know Larry could go to the cops and say this guy is shaking me down in this way. Right. I felt like that character should be more threatening. The restaurant owner should be more of a threatening presence. Like, hey, my brother broke into your house. Like, you know, maybe a little added threat of violence if you go to the cops or something like that. There needed to be something else behind that, I felt. My favorite scene in the, sh in the episode, though, was actually seeing that guy's daughter audition for the show. Uh -huh. And maybe it's just because, you know, as amateur filmmakers ourselves, we've been on that side of the audition table before, and we've uh -huh. had to audition hundreds of horrible actors. And so it just kind of brought me back to sitting behind the table being unbelievably depressed. Like, oh, my God, how bad could these people possibly be? But just seeing, like, the good actresses read those lines and then just watching every horrible choice that this actor made. I thought mm -hmm. it was funny, like how she would make these weird faces before delivering these lines and she would like deliver what was obviously supposed to be a comedic line in this very dramatic yeah. <laughs> fashion. Like it was actually pretty good. I actually because that was that struck me as just like, I don't know, the most surprising scene in there. Right. Yeah. I just I, I don't know. It, um, I, I uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't know where uh, where it's going. From uh, from this opening, like uh, um, from this particular season opening, I don't know if they're going to like go through with the with the pilot uh, with her in it, and that's what the show is going to be about. Is it going to be about the production of this pilot uh, pilot uh, having to use this horrible actress? Um, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, because it seems know. like there's a limit to like how much material you could get out of right, it. Like exactly. I could see one episode of that 
on set with this horrible actor that you were forced to cast. Can you get seven, eight episodes out of that? I yeah, probably it not. doesn't. It doesn't seem that strong, and it seems weaker than last year's. And last year's, where he was in a competition, opening up a coffee shop with someone he hates. And I thought that 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 wasn't the the that was the strongest idea. They've but that was a decent arc. I mean, I didn't mind that arc really. It reminded me of the season two arc where he's opening a restaurant with his partners. You know, it was something yeah. more sort of grounded in like di- like daily life. You know, whereas yeah. now you're going back to the 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 TV world, which is fine. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure how much material uh they can actually get out of that. Um, but one of the other things about this episode that I, I found very sort of weird is the walking into the glass door thing about how once you oh, walk yeah. into a glass door, you're not seen as an attractive mate anymore. Like, I don't understand that. That, yeah, that, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? It's not like you're a cripple. You had an accident. You walked into a door. Yeah, it's not that, like you, that... like, collapsed randomly and had a heart attack. I it's forgot like, about that. I forgot yeah. about that. It's like that that seems to be that something happened in Larry's real life where he saw somebody walk into a door and sort of think like, you know, I see them as a less attractive person now. The fact that they are that stupid to walk into a a clear door. And at first, what was the what was the joke? I have to rewatch this episode. Uh, I think was the joke that at first, they were like thinking that Larry was getting like really old, that uh, he was just walking into doors. But then Leon's girlfriend walks into a door and um, uh, then he breaks up with her. And that, that seemed to be like and this happened again, which I'll, I'll talk about in a second. That seemed to be like a one note joke that was only meant to set up the, the reason for Leon to dump his girlfriend. Like that did had nothing to do with the rest of the story. And um, right. Isn't that true? It had nothing to do with anything else. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. It didn't and have the, anything uh, to do with anything and else. And the, the other joke was he's in the office in Netflix and there's a uh, something about Purell. And he mentions, you know, oh, yeah, the, you know, the COVID hoarders, you know, hoarded all this Purell. That doesn't never comes up again until the very end when you find out that Albert Brooks was hoarding all this stuff and then people get so angry they want to leave his mock funeral. And so they do this thing where they only set it. They, there's a setup once as nothing to do with the rest of the story. And then it, it seems to only set up one joke at the very end where yeah you know, and it you, doesn't you think you think that it would be if you're going to do that and i noticed they've done that a lot of times where they've just like set up these little things to only come back once at the very end well that yeah that's the, and that's the product of like trying to cram too much into yeah. one episode like the doll episode keep going back to that was great because you had the story arc of him uh, not being allowed to take the water into the theater, that comes back to burn him at the end. Um, you also have the sort of um, poor bathroom uh, sort of guard etiquette between him and Cheryl yeah. that toggles back and forth. Uh, and then you have the main arc, which is the doll arc. And so you really yeah. only had like these three balls to juggle in the air. And, yeah. and, and because you only had those three plot lines going, you were really able to make them weave in and out of each other in a way that was really fun and felt totally natural. That's why that the writing of that show is so good. When you when you have all of these things going at once, it just feels like you're cramming as much into one episode as you 
possibly can. Um, and it feels more forced. It feels like everything is just, okay, one setup, one payoff, one setup, one payoff. Yeah, and I was kind of, and I, I hope that um, what I was interested, what I was uh, looking forward to is that I think that might be interesting to see Leon with like a relationship with a girlfriend. And uh, that seemed that, that, <laughs> that glass door thing seems to have ended that. But I thought that might be an interesting storyline to explore. Um, but uh, so I was disappointed that they, they, they knocked that out really quickly with that glass door thing. Yeah, I thought that the couch plopping thing worked. I thought that was good because that's like a that's an everyday thing that happens to people. Like, you know, if someone sits on a couch, you know, too violently and you have a drink in your hand, you could spill it and, you know, it is kind yeah. of their fault. Even oh, yeah. though you're and, the one who technically spilled the the drink. And they're the So that was story, fun. That worked. And the other storyline in there is the the dementia guy. Yeah, oh, which is there's just so much in this just this first episode that, uh, like I said, the, the it would be better if these episodes were a little streamlined uh, a little bit. You have so much you're packing so much in. But yeah, that that dementia storyline wasn't wasn't that funny and it didn't really go anywhere. And like I said, in the other episodes, everything really culminates in the end. Like, you know, even the, the third season finale of the opening of the restaurant, they're so worried about this guy. With oh, the season Tourette's. two. That was the second season. No, no. Season three. Oh, right. That, that, right. Season three was the restaurant. I'm sorry. Season he two is, was the... the, the um, he's pilot. trying to get a show produced. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, sorry. Again. Um, and it all culminates beautifully in all these people cursing after the, this guy starts having a, a, a Tourette. Yes, fit. of course. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, this is just seemingly just throwing up, uh, a lot of stuff at the wall and seeing what works and a lot of it doesn't. Yeah. So, um, all right. I think that pretty much wraps up our talk, right? We got any other points? No, I think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. But yeah, I, I think that's it. All right, very good. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. This will be up in video and audio podcast form. And check us out at ScreenshareMedia.com for rants, reviews, and retrospectives on movies and TV shows. Uh, we'll have to do something for Halloween coming up uh, probably uh, in a couple days or so, I would think. We've got to do some some sort of horror show. Got to do something. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll figure it out. It's the 27th already. I didn't realize you know, how long, uh, how fast this month is going. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll figure is, something is it out. Going, is it going faster, everybody else listening? <laughs> type, your type your comment in the comments. <laughs> right, is exactly. this month going fast for you? Or is it dragging? Or is it dragging? All right, everybody. Right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.